Hello, everyone. Welcome back. It's Julie Bates with the podcast Training the Pointing Labrador, episode number 298. And this one is done indoors with a wind chill outside of about 18 below zero. And I know some people have it much worse. <laughs> so it's a good day to stay and not safe to have your animals feed out on wet snow and wet snuff stuff in this temperature. Um, you know, it, there's a lot of just, man, bring the animals in, make sure everybody's okay. This is, this is dangerous for stock. It's dangerous, certainly dangerous for, for dogs who, you know, unless you're a husky or something, I guess. But today's episode is going to be another in a, the troubleshooting series. People seem to enjoy that quite a bit. And usually I'll have two or three people that have contacted me and we talk about stuff and it's kind of the same subject. So the the question that I got actually from two people that I'm going to turn this into the troubleshooting uh, podcast is these are fairly young dogs. I'm going to say between probably seven months and a year and retrievers. These are retrievers and they, uh, they haven't, you know, they've done some stuff with them. Not, not a lot, not the stuff I probably would have done with them, uh, which is the walk and three retrieves a day and all that stuff. But the dogs won't, wouldn't come back and retrieve. So, and I said, well, what do you need help with? What's the problem? And again, I'm actually asking what's the symptom, but the the problem they describe is the dog sometimes comes back, sometimes doesn't, sometimes does a flyby, sometimes drops it, some, you know, sometimes just takes it and runs around, and so they 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 want the dog to come back. <laughs> so w- the problem here isn't so much that the dog isn't coming back. The problem is the dog doesn't think there's any particular obligation or any particular end of this this thing that they're doing. That's that's always the problem. Sometimes they may bring it back to you just because, because they're hoping you'll take it and throw it again. And sometimes they'll run around with it because that's fun. And if there's another dog around, playing with the other dog and the whatever you threw is more fun. But all of this is because these dogs have never been shown what the expectation is. And it really is that simple. It really is. Um, so people are really into, I noticed one thing that they really like, and all these people that I'm talking about, they have a dog that they can make it sit. Now, sit doesn't really mean sit, but it, they do drop their bottom for a second. And then they, they throw this thing and they're making them stay. Right, so they they're working on steadiness, and then the dog may or may not, you know, go right out to it, but they do, and then they're happy, and <laughs> they're running around. And so the question is, you know, how do I get my my dog to come back? Well, again, this is just a symptom, and I and they have it in many many other places, and it's a symptom of the dog not having been taught what the expectation is. And I'm not sure that people always understand the learning process of an intelligent canine. Um, It's not, there's a lot of expectations that these guys will just figure it out. That they'll just wind up, you know, especially with the positive reinforcement approach, where anytime they do what you like, you tell them good dog. And anytime they don't do what you're like, you, you don't feed into it all, you do nothing. And therefore, through that, 
the dog is supposed to figure it out. And I'm sure there are some that do. I'm sure there are. Just like there's some teenagers that do that. And yet the majority do not. And so you can't bank on having a dog that's just going to make your job real easy so you don't have to do anything other than say good dog at the right time. That's not really the nature of dog training. Uh, that's just trying to do as the little least amount of work possible towards this. So one, we need to change everybody's expectation. There's really things that you have to do, just like raising a human child. Um, regardless of how you think it ought to be, there's just some stuff you're going to have to do, right? The, the providing housing, the teaching them to walk, teaching them to speak, teaching them some societal things, you know, like you don't go pee in somebody's living room. Right? There's just all kinds of things that we have to teach kids. And the more that we teach them, like if you go to school, and, and get there on time and actually pay attention and learn some stuff, it will be to your advantage. It will be. Reading, writing, being able to do stuff with numbers, being able to understand, you know, how to balance your checkbook or how to, you know, get a job or how to do a task. That's all things that is to that child's advantage. Okay, very few people argue with that. But, but and also when you raise a kid, if they are reasonably respectful to you and respectful of what you're doing for them and, and how you engage, that makes life way nicer than if they are not. And very often that is a taught thing. And you don't teach, in my opinion, kids respect by demanding it. You teach it by engaging with them in a respectful way and having that be the way that your life is. <clears throat> and when you do that, then they tend to take that on. Not 100%, but the vast majority because you've shown them respect and you've shown them how you deal with the world. Okay, it's like that with dogs too. These aren't like an easy way out, don't have to do stuff. They really do if you want a really nice dog that is sort of pleasant and easy to have around. There is a quite a bit of teaching that goes on with these dogs. So the dog that doesn't bring stuff back Everyone's worried, well, if I go hunting and I shoot a duck or I shoot a pheasant, I, I need to get it back. You, you know, they're going to be lucky to even get out of the, into the field or the blind and, and take their dog off of a leash and have it not just go wherever it wants. Because, <laughs> because if you tell it to sit 800 times and hope that that keeps it someplace, you've never taught the dog what the expectations are. So I've gotten many, many, many questions you know, the dog doesn't come back on a retrieve. Or the dog, like last week, pulls on the leash. Although that was a very trained dog, so that was a slightly more elevated problem. But when you have the little guys that aren't real trained, they pull on the leash, they don't sit down. If they sit down, they get right up. If they, you know, you throw something, they run out and get it, and then they might, if you have the other dog out, to teach them, which, you know, teaches them stuff, but never anything I ever wanted them to learn. So then they go running around playing, keep away with the other dog. These problems are, are prevented and eliminated when they begin to exist, not by punishing them out. So when you ask somebody, hey, my dog doesn't come back on a retrieve, and somebody tells you some punitive way to get them to, to do it, I, I would ignore that <laughs> because punitive is not teaching. Punitive is just a repercussion from a choice that you made. Um, 
punitive is never a teaching thing. Oh, that teaches them stuff, but probably not what it is that you want them to do. So just for example, on them, my dog doesn't bring stuff back. So the first thing, and, and I actually did this recently, I said, okay, well, get your dog out on a leash and just show me what you do on a leash first. Let's just, because what's going to happen there is I'm going to see what the relationship is. I'm going to see exactly what this dog's perspective is on interacting with their person. So <laughs> they get the dog out, right? And then the dog is on a leash, thank goodness, and they have to have it on a leash because if they didn't, it would just run out in the field and start running around and they couldn't get it back because they can't get it back on a retrieve and they can't get it back when it's exploring things. So they get it out on a leash and then, uh, you know, you can already see the problem. I don't have to even see a retrieve deal. And so we get it on a leash and we, and I have them do some healing and sitting. And of course, the first thing I asked was when you say heal to your dog, what, what do you mean by that? And then we get the silence, right? Because they really never thought that through. But what does heal mean to them? Because whatever it means to them is what they're going to communicate to their dog. So if they don't really have anything, I said heal, so you need to be in this walking with me or doing whatever it is they're thinking. So the dog has the same kind of fuzzy, foggy thing. So heal generally means be at my left or right side, whatever side you choose. That, that's what it means. Period right? Period. So we're talking about thinking like a dog, not thinking like you and I do. So heal needs, needs to mean, in my opinion, you know, be at my, if you're a left side dog, on my left side, which means, and that's it. So if I am walking and I say heal, that means walk with me at my left side, with me, not pulling me, not running around. And if I turn direction, it means you turn direction and be at my left side. If it means if you're sitting six feet away from me and I say heal, you come over to my left side. It's so you need to have that kind of clarity in your thinking to be able to teach that kind of clarity to the dog. Same thing with sit. So the dog was pulling around. It's kind of, and then every time the dog would, he would correct the dog. This is fun. And I've seen this a thousand times if I've seen it once. So the dog is generally just enduring this time on the leash, waiting for it to end and something more fun to happen. And so every time the dog would pull ahead and he'd say heel and jerk it back, then he'd say, good dog. <laughs> it's like, okay, when you're saying good dog, what are you communicating? And then the silence, right? And it's, it's that thing. Well, I got him back where I wanted him. So good dog, this is where you should be. Well, you just praised him for pulling ahead and getting jerked back. So I'm not sure what they're going to gain from that, what they're going to learn and work to do or not do or something. But, you know, so I, there's all this people thinking going on with this. Um, and then we have the sit thing. And here's where the whole, the whole thing is just completely revealed. So I said, okay, that's good. I see that. All right, sit. And the dog sat okay. Um, they had obviously done some work on that. So they came and they sat and they, we got together and we're talking. And the dog sat, got up, started to pull over here, wanted to go look in some weeds that were over there. Came, pulled it back, sit. Then the dog just stands up and then starts to tie him in a knot. So sit meant 
the very brief action of dropping your bottom to the ground. And then after that, there was no meaning to sit anymore, and so they could do everything else. So this is not a bad dog. They had said, this is a, one of them had said, well, I think this is a stubborn dog. See? <laughs> See? It's like, I, I, I don't think that's a stubborn dog. Um, and so actually what I did then, I said, can I, let me do the dog for a second. And so I just did a little bit of healing and sitting my way, uh, enforcing sit uh, without every time for like two or three times in a row and enforcing sit at a, at a, a significant enough level that the dog got its attention off of what it wanted to do and started to be a little more concerned with me. Now, I had trained a dog for these people prior, so it's not like they didn't know exactly how I did stuff. Um, and so then suddenly that we could just heal and sit because uh, the, the focus was redirected off of whatever the dog wanted to do and over to me, and I wasn't praising. I, I, was, I was just saying, walk with me, sit down and stop when we stop. Just did a little bit of that for maybe, because you don't do 10 or 5 minutes of it, maybe 30 seconds, 60 seconds of it, came over and sat down to now talk about stuff, and the dog just sat there. Because the dog's focus had shifted from, what do I want to do, to, I had to kind of pay attention to this lady here. So, we've di diagnosed the whole problem. We haven't even gotten to a retrieve yet. And so, so then we did a little bit after that. I, I said, this is how we're going to do here on a leash. There is no electricity, nothing like that here at all. We are teaching, right? We are just teaching. So I took sit that the dog knew, and I went ahead and enforced the sit. You know, and the heel I had to work on a little bit, but that sit is always for retriever people, and including the pointy ones, you guys, sit is your power play. That's where you can redirect dog's thinking very, very well. That's how you can correct certain things out in the field, right? Not obviously in the upland field, but it is where you redirect their thinking. So the dog had obviously clearly shown that it knew what sit was, so that's what I reinforced, taught the dog what I wanted with the heel, and then they had never worked on here before. So getting three feet in front of the dog, I would tell the dog to sit, which now it would sit and kind of stay there, walk out in front of the dog, three feet, not the full extent of the leash, three feet, so that I always had 100% control of the dog, so it would do exactly what I wanted to do. I was going to make sure it did the right thing, because now I am teaching this dog what the word here means. Not by letting it not come to me, or do it in a real sloppy, semi-focused way, but by doing nothing but the here means come to me, and then I'm going to say sit, and sit down right in front of me. And it took, as I figured, because this seems like a very smart dog, it took about three times with a, just a little short jerk on the leash with the word here, not a big drag or tug or lug. I'm not reeling in a big old fish. Just a little jerk here. Then I'd back up four feet maybe, tell the dog to sit. About the third or fourth time I said here, the dog got up and moved toward me. So without punishment, without nastiness, this dog was taught what the word here meant. It had not heard that before. At least it had not heard it in any way that meant a thing. And so, and then, then this dog was good enough that I actually got here and then heel and have the dog heel around to the left side. Now we're piling a bunch of stuff on at one time, 
But this dog could really understand this. Some, that would be way too much. So then I got the bumper, which, by the way, they were hiding the bumper. When they got the bumper out, they'd hide it. Here, hide it. And the other one would stick it in their jacket or underneath their coat. You know, and I was like, okay, can I have the hidden bumper, please? <laughs> and I got that out, got it out, told her to sit, threw it about six feet away, sent it on whatever they wanted me to send the dog on. She ran out and got it, and I just sat here and brought her back <laughs> with the leash. Just brought her right back. Now, she set it down, which normally she doesn't do because this was all different. So she set it down, but she brought it all the way back to me. Yeah, so we did another throw or two. And this was six, seven feet away from me. So I had the leash, and as soon as she picked it up, I just brought her back to me and said, there. That's how you teach her to return on a, on a uh, retreat. We're not going to go throw one 25 yards out there where you can't get her to come back. We're going to show her this is what happens when I throw something and send you, then you come back. And we'd get that until they are doing that without being reeled back in. And then you can get a longer rope. You can extend it until it becomes what she knows. And then you can just do that with a long, thin cord so that you can always pick that up and bring them back. If you start that way when they're very, very young, they never learn anything but that. And I don't mean start young guys on little cords. Most of the time, a little schmuppy, they, they come running right back to you. You know, you're praising them. You're down on their level, bringing them back. They'll do really well. Um... But if you let them kind of grow up and learn that it's a game, now we got to take a step back, not punish because they're only doing what you taught them, but re-instruct and say, okay, this is the expectation now. And I'm going to use the word one time. Repeating something over and over and over, folks, doesn't work. It doesn't work. It makes it become background noise. You need to have, if you want them to take you very seriously, then you say sit once, and then you make sure they sit. Or when you say here once, you make sure they come to you. It's really that simple. That's how dogs think. We don't. We tend to have a big conversation. Well, you come here. Now get over here. You're always doing this. Now sit, sit. I said, here, no, sit. Come here. Good, good dog. Right? There's a hard to learn in that bunch of chatter. But if you say sit, and you're in a position to make sure that they sit, now you can be effective. They understand the word, and you consistently just do that. Sit becomes completely equated with dropping your bottom and then staying there. But it's a very simple way of approaching things, and our human minds that are interacting with this crazy world that we're in, they don't work like that all the time. You know, they're thinking three things at once and trying to do this and that and, thinking, and then remembering something else. And having a conversation with the dog like they would if it was a coworker, don't do that. You know, the dogs have not come into the, the 21st century all hyped up on the instantaneousness of everything. They're still dogs. They still learn the way they do. And they are still not stupid. They're very smart. Smarter, <laughs> smart enough that they are learning. Yes, they're, they're doing all the stuff you taught them. You didn't know you were teaching that. They did. And they learned it really well. So dogs always reflect, unless they're mentally ill or, or sick in some way, always reflect back you and what you've done. They always reflect back you and what you've done. So if they're out there not doing what you wish they'd do, 
They aren't stubborn. They are reflecting your level of teaching. So again, whatever the symptom is, if the symptom is, you know, that they run around and just play on, on retrieves, you know, do they like retrieves? That's really important. That's important. They got to like that part. And you don't start dropping the hammer on them until they enjoy it. And once they enjoy it, all right, then you teach them. You go out and you come back. That's always what you do. And the reason I brought up that bumper thing, and I, I'm going to do this again, you know, they're hiding it because she really likes it. Well, that's great because seeing the bumper means you get to go retrieve, or in her case at, at the time, it was run around and prayed and entice the other dog and all that stuff. That's what the bumper meant. But the bumper was fun, and that's good. I want the bumper. I want every dog I ever see. When you get in all my dogs I've ever trained have been like bumper nuts. Everybody knows that. But it's my bumper. So when I am carrying, when I'm going to get out and go do my work with, and I did it with their dog right there, I said, let me have the bumper. And I put her on a sit, and I walked around her, swinging the bumper on the rope and enforcing sit. It, you know, it's my bumper. It is mine when it's in my hands. Don't you dare jump up and grab this. Don't you dare jump up on me at all. This dog was not a jumper unless she had the bumper. And, you know, I guess people think that's cute. Or, oh, look how. No, it's not. It's not their bumper, and they can't assault you. You know, I've been bitten in my gloves because people, the dog is, you know, coming up and, and uh, grabbing at the bumper. So they may be very, very excited about it, and that's great, but you should be able to walk to wherever you are going with your dog, with the bumper, and you don't be assaulted, and they don't come up and grab it. Because, again, and that's just a teaching thing. It's a teaching thing. When the bumper's in my hand, go ahead and be happy. <laughs> that's great. But don't you dare come and grab it out, because you can literally... You can literally, you know, tear stuff, and it, it's just obnoxious. And, and then, then let's transfer that over, folks, to those of you that run a hunt or run uh, events, retriever events. When the dog brings the bird back to you, that's your bird, right? That's your bird. And they should give it to you, and you don't have to, quick, hide it behind something. Quick, get it out of because they're going to grab, grab, grab at it. You know, that is, that is a dog that's not thinking things the way you want them to. That's your bird, and you, they release it to you, and then you're done. And that's another thing to start as puppies. When they're little and they bring their little puppy bumper, this little sock, then the little puppy bumper and the little stuff that they have, when they bring it back to you, it comes out of their mouth, not ripped out, not ripped up, not, but just it is removed they release it uh, you got to do teach the whole thing and all that to teach the release so that takes them having adult teeth but even as a puppy they come back right and you just remove you can just reach over the upper jaw and use you know and just open the jaw take the bumper out and then the, you know they can be excited about going again but they can't come after it if you start that early then you never have that problem and if you maintain a gentleness about handling of bumpers and birds, a gentleness about sitting, calming down, sit, all right, let me have it, release it to me. People that, like, you know, rip that stuff out of their mouth, you, what do you think you're teaching? That's like why they always tell retriever people, don't ever teach your dog tug-of-war because that's chomp down and pull back. And so when you grab something out of their mouth, the first natural inclination a dog is going to have is to chomp down and pull back.
So just never create that response in a dog. But again, that requires extreme clarity in somebody's mind about, all right, what am I doing? That When the dog comes back, I want this to be a calm, gentle release. And so work, work very hard on that. Uh, and don't, don't ignore it. When dogs get, you know, anxiety comes out in dogs' mouths, right? Their mouths and their digestive tracts. So when dogs are anxious about something or worried about something or whatever it is that they get, a lot of times that manifests in their mouth. And so if they ever tell you they're a little bit that way, then you need to notice that, you know. And a lot of times, if you do, anyone that does a force fetch, after you've worked very hard on getting a dog to reach for something and hold it, then they don't want to let go, understandably, right? They've been going through the ear pinch or whatever you do. I hope, you know, kindly and in a teaching mode, but when you, they're like, all right, I'm going to get that. I'll never let go. <laughs> You're never going to pinch my ear again. I will not let go. That's a normal response. So that isn't one where you greet that with punishment, okay? You don't really greet, greet that with punishment because then that makes it more of a big deal. So if they want to get kind of lock up on you a little bit, of course, that's normal. So all you got to do, it, and I, this isn't a force fetch lesson. I, I wouldn't go after them in their face, but I would give them something else to think about and get that out of their mouth gently. And I wouldn't... I wouldn't lose my temper. I wouldn't have a lot of emotional energy in there because, again, that just feeds whatever is happening. You know, a lot of bad problems with dogs. That's exactly right. When people get mad, it just feeds whatever angst the dog has or worry or concern or whatever they, they have. It just you being emotional, the voice being loud, you being more punitive, always feeds the situation that you don't want to have. But if you greet what could be a high energy situation or a dog that's either not understanding or a dog that's worried or scared or has a lot of anxiety, if you meet that with calmness and redirection of thinking instead of going right at their face, you're going to have a lot easier time. And the way you prevent the kind of problems I'm even talking about right now is when you guys get little puppies think about things they don't don't make them be little robots right they just puppies they don't understand a lot of stuff they don't know what they're going to know later on and they should be healthy happy dogs and love working with you okay that's important but in that you can teach them that you don't turn them out and they can just run right there's no place you ever want that there's no place that's going to be an advantage to you so do the walk when they're little and teach them, you know, hey, you're always with me. You're always with me. No one that's ever done that has told me complete waste of time. No one ever has. And it's not a walk down the street on a leash. Um, do that. And when you do your retrieves, don't do them with another dog so that the other dog is more fun than you. Do a little retrieve. When you start young and they go out and back, yay. <laughs> do it. Do three and stop. Not 23 because you need to spend their energy. I've said that a thousand times. And, you know, if you're going to, when you teach them sit, teach them that you sit until I release you or ask you to do something else. You know, a little 12-week-old puppy, he can't do much of that. But just, you can't teach them when I tell you to sit. You just sit. And maybe I'll pet you a little bit and it'll be nice. And then I'll say, okay, or come here or something. 
So you can, you can, all these symptoms of a dog's not being taught can be completely eliminated by understanding how simply a dog thinks, by interacting with them that way, with thinking about just the, your interactions with them, and then carrying them out within the short attention span of a dog. And you can prevent all kinds of problems. You just have to think a little bit about it first. Very, very helpful. And you know, you don't have to be a professional dog trainer to think of this stuff, really. If, if you have, yeah, you got your first dog, your first puppy, and it's six months old and it has some of these problems. You don't have to, you, all you have to do is go, all right, this dog thinks simply. I need to make one sound, which is a word, sit, heel, hear, one sound. Because it's a sound to them. They just associate it with an action. So I have to make one sound, not a whole series of sounds, and hope they figure it out. I don't praise them when they're doing the wrong thing. I just don't let them do the wrong thing, and I show them what the right thing is. And keep it simple and not a lot of chatter, and it'll be a lot better. So on this very frigid day, that's today's troubleshooting uh, thing. It, it's just a so many things stem from this part right here. So if I can get this across to a few people, uh, it'll be very, very beneficial. So everybody stay warm, safe. Hunting season's just got a little bit more time left, but uh, goodness, don't freeze yourself or your dogs on this. And uh, I will be back next week. <laughs>